Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look what free speech has gotten you, right? And, and if free speech is going to bring a Hitler to power, are you still going to defend the rights of those people to speak? If you talk about the things that affect your daily life. The secret to being a good actor. I don't really care, actually, whether Britain remains Britain. His dad was actually murdered in front of him. Marine Le Pen has changed the Pont National. If it's like kind of like a documentary investigative reporting serialized true crime, it often gets into questions about the justice system or the media. In an uncertain world, there's always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to vote. Good question. Really good question. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem... That Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Before we start the show, a little bit of housekeeping. As you probably know, Mid-Atlantic is part of the Agora Podcast Network and this month we are featuring Tiny Vampires, the podcast by Raven Forest Friscalo. If you ever wonder how we figure out how mosquitoes transmit malaria, if you've ever been curious about the latest Zika news or have a question about why Lyme disease causes bullseye-shaped rashes, Tiny Vampires is the show about insects that transmit disease and the scientists that are fighting them. So give that a listen on a podcatcher of your choice. One of the things which I'm incredibly proud about doing Mid-Atlantic is that um, it's a little bit of a family effort. So probably unbeknownst to you, well, it would be unbeknownst to you, why would you know? But my son, Noah, um, who is 16, actually does the incidental music which um, is found on the podcast so the music right behind me right now is done by my son so big ups to him and then lastly really what I want to do with Mid-Atlantic is have more listener participation so firstly you can help us by reviewing us on iTunes whether you are in the US the UK Canada or Australia which are the main places where people listen to the show please go onto iTunes and review the show 
because that means that more people will then get to listen to Mid-Atlantic and we can spread our liberal, progressive, tolerant message worldwide. And then absolutely lastly, if you go on to midatlanticshow.com, you can actually um, speak back to the show by pressing the speak pipe button. So it's a little button over there on the right. What it does is record your voice so that you can then be on a future show. So if you wildly agree or disagree with anything which has been said in a show, why don't you go on to speak pipe, record your answer, and I will put it in a future show. Now on with today's episode. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the Atlantic from the perspective of the other. I am Royfield Brown. Today I'm joined by wine expert and ex-Columbia University communications head Doug Levy and by the part-time Buddhist and Bernie Sanders forward planner Reggie Hubbard. In a week which has seen President Donald Trump's poll numbers and approval ratings stabilise and even move up slightly over the past month, we ask... Is Trump and his breaking of political norms the new normal? The United States has great strength and patience. But if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. Let's start with you over in the Bay Area. Doug Levy, what did you make of your president's performance in front of the UN yesterday? After I stopped cringing, I reflected on some of the meat that was in there. It was a surprising speech on every level. It was certainly not the kind of speech that we've heard from an American president at the United Nations before, and I think some of the comparisons to speeches by uh, people like uh, the leaders of uh, Venezuela and Cuba and uh, Russia or the Soviet Union, those comparisons, I think, are valid. But apart from the theatrics part, which is hard to set aside, the content of the actual speech was also remarkable because it did not reflect actual diplomacy and it was inherently contradictory. So it was not a great speech by any means. And I think there's language that he used that are going that that, there's language that he used that will give us a lot of difficulty in the future. Okay, so Reggie, um, Doug laid out the fact that Trump's speech was contradictory. So we have, on the one hand, Trump talked about sovereignty, but then he talked about um, totally threatening to destroy North Korea. So sovereignty in terms of everybody can do their own thing, and isn't it all wonderful if each country is different? But then... When it comes down to it, Iran is a rogue state which needs to be dealt with and North Korea needs to be totally destroyed. Isn't at the heart of Trump contradiction? Why were we surprised that this made no geopolitical sense? Well, it depends how you define we, I would imagine, because uh, in full candor, I don't really pay as much attention to the president as I probably should because I lost interest in his theatrics probably around March. Uh, and I'm not surprised by anything that he says, and I'm not surprised that he doesn't make sense. I mean, what I'm focused on, as I've said um, to you privately, but also 
in other um, episodes is I'm focused on the healthcare fight. I'm focused on trying to get back to Congress in 2018 because for better or for worse, given the American system of governance, this gentleman's in office uh, for a while. And so this is just the new normal. So to uh, kind of speak to your other question, it doesn't, it, it makes sense that his numbers would stabilize because at some level people, uh, this is just, he's the president of the United States and this is what it is. He doesn't make sense uh, geopolitically, um, you know, speaking on a domestic concern like um, Hurricane Harvey wrecked Houston, Hurricane Irma trashed uh, Florida, and he's tweeting about firing an ESPN host because she said that he has sympathized with white supremacy, which is true. So he has yet to create any sort of funding strategy for the opioid crisis. He has yet to even call that a national emergency. Um, and he said it uh, politically, but he hasn't done anything legislatively or advocated for anything legislatively. So it doesn't surprise me in the least bit that he gets in front of the United Nations uh, and says what he says. Um, and again, for better or for worse, has shifted American soft power to unfortunately a less stable footing. The Iranian government masks a corrupt dictatorship behind the false guise of a democracy. The Iran deal was one of the worst and most one-sided transactions the United States has ever entered into. Frankly, that deal is an embarrassment to the United States, and I don't think you've heard the last of it. Believe me. Doug. Does the President of the United States believe in soft power? The only power it appears to me that he believes in is carrying a big stick, uh, visibly telling everybody he's carrying a big stick and waving that big stick about. There is no such thing as diplomacy. The State Department is being defunded, denuded of talent. This is all about grandstanding, surely. There's really no way to tell what Donald J. Trump really believes other than in himself, which is a shame because there is much to like about this country and the, the kinds of things that his supporters seem to want, at least some of them, um, may have merit. The problem is that the lack of skill, both in himself and the people around him, results in clumsiness that actually interferes with whatever policy goals they may have. And half the time we can't tell what the policy goals really are because as Reggie said, you know, he makes a lot of speeches, but then there's little to no follow-up of actual policies, unless you're looking at like the Justice Department where they're doing regulatory stuff that is just scary. That that internal logic that is missing is a real problem because it makes whatever words Trump uses ring hollow. And that is a sad thing, and it's potentially a dangerous thing, because if you look at what he said about the Iran nuclear deal, what he said about North Korea, what he said about Saudi Arabia, what he said about Russia, almost all of those statements were contradicted by other parts of his speech. And that will trip us up sooner or later. 
Today, the Trump administration announced it's putting an end to DACA, President Obama's controversial program that bars the federal government from deporting illegal immigrants brought to the United States as children. Under the President Trump's plan, DACA will begin phasing out six months from now. And in the meantime, the president is urging Congress to act on the issue. I have a great heart for the folks we're talking about, a great love for them. And people think in terms of children, but they're really young adults. Uh, I have a love for these people, and hopefully now Congress will be able to help them and do it properly. And I can tell you, in speaking to members of Congress, they want to be able to do something and do it right. And really, we have no choice. We have to be able to do something. And I think it's going to work out very well. And long term, it's going to be the right solution. And within the last half hour, President Trump tweeted out, quote, Congress now has six months to legalize DACA, something the Obama administration was unable to do. If they can't, I will revisit this issue, unquote. Joining us now with details is Chief National Correspondent Ed Henry. Ed. What you see the president doing there uh, is throwing down the gauntlet and saying Congress has to do its job. He's facing political minefields from the left to the right. Uh, basically, some Republicans warning that the president can lose control, Republican control of Congress, if this issue is not handled well. But people inside the White House tell me they're still hopeful they can get a compromise where they show the president is moving to the middle, trying to be humane towards the dreamers, and exchange wants Democrats to compromise as well uh, and get tough on illegal immigration. Reggie, you said that you're trying not to listen to your 45th president, which I must admit I found that a little, little bit surprising because if nothing else, surely you need to listen to him and to the way that, of which he mangles the English language, but still is addressing the hopes and the fears of some 35, 36% of, of Americans to understand the language and, the, and then to formulate the tactics to go and fight him, whether it's in 2020 or in 2018. But I think maybe one of the reasons why his poll numbers have actually upticked a little, good grief, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an American, tell I'm, I'm now living in the Bay Area, I said uptick, sorry, I'm going to be British about this. You can tell what, maybe one of the reasons why he's had a surge in a, a slight move <laughs> upwards in his poll numbers is because he has um, outmaneuvered Ryan on, on Dakar, hasn't he? After, on the one hand, he played to his let's make America great again base by saying uh, DACA needs to go, DACA needs to go, but then is potentially moving closer to the Democrats, to Nancy Pelosi, with, with doing a deal after realising that you can't kick out one million Americans. Uh, to to one, to your to your one statement, I, I was on the campaign trail for two years, and so I acutely know the language of much of the American electorate. I don't really need to listen to my president or the president of the country where I'm a, a citizen. I wouldn't really call him my president. Articulate things in a duplicitous and uh, fear mongering manner. I don't really need to pay much attention to that. Um, I already know the nuance um, and the self-aggrandizement that uh, he and his um, cohorts exemplify. But in terms of uh, outmaneuvering Ryan, I think that one of the things, and and we'll see what happens uh, after November, after the Virginia and New Jersey gubernatorial elections, uh, everything in Washington and the nation politically will be focused on the congressional midterm election. Uh, and we'll see who has the last laugh, right? Because uh, one of the things that has been interesting is to see him go directly after Mitch McConnell. 
Jeff Sessions, Jeff Flake, Paul Ryan, and those sorts of things. And one of the things that I don't know if, you know, in the Bush administration, there was a Karl Rove. In, in Obama's administration, uh, there was uh, David Axelrod and Fluff. Um, I don't know who the political director or the political strategist of the Trump administration is because it has yet to be seen how his attacking people will render itself in an electoral uh, contest. So if you attack people and they end up losing because you essentially undermine their power, what what are you doing? I mean, I, I'm actually happy that he does that because anything that would help the seemingly inept uh, Democratic Party uh, get its act together, I'll take at the moment. Uh, but I don't really know whether it's outmaneuvering per se or it's more he talks out of both sides of his mouth. Doug, Mr. Levy, aren't we looking at the first president in forever? which is this is truly a non-partisan he draws on some elements of the right and now is prepared to do deals with people on the left uh, and that's the way which he's outmaneuvering Paul Ryan and also the leader of the Senate he will make deals on a whim because he has no real political core this is what Americans say they always want a president who is straight down the middle Let's see what policies he's actually able to enact by doing this, by attacking the people who got him elected. It's going to be very difficult to get things done, as as Reggie mentioned. And this, this is where his narcissism comes in. He thinks that he got elected entirely on his own. And while you can't take away all of the credit, uh, the truth is if the Republican Party leadership hadn't caved and endorsed him, even if it was reluctantly, Trump would not be president. And the Republicans control the House and the Senate. So they, you know, he needs them in order to get things done. He can get all the Democrats to vote for whatever he wants, which isn't going to happen. But even if he did, there would still be no legislation passed. So that's important. The other thing is I, I don't want to put too much into the polls that are indicating a little bit of an uptick in his uh, approval, but it's not much. And if you look at the number of voters, the number of likely voters who actually disapprove of Trump, it's a much higher number today than it was earlier in his presidency. So it may be going a little bit favorable to him. We still have 53% of American voters who don't approve of what he's doing. That's a problem, and that's going to get in the way of anything he tries to do. But, Reggie, isn't it all about, as you Americans say, the big mo? It's about momentum. You know, he's, he's Lance the boil, he's uh, stopped the bleeding in terms of his figures, and they haven't just stabilized, they've, met, they've started to maybe inch up. And is it by accident that this has happened two months after General Kelly has got his position and there aren't that many leaks anymore out of this White House? The fun seems to have gone out of the White House in terms of hearing all the crazy things which he does behind closed doors. It can't be underestimated uh, the effect that uh, General Kelly has had as chief of staff. 
Um, but I will say, while there may be less leaks, there's still ridiculous amounts of tweets that have nothing to do with anything substantial. Um, and one thing I'll say with respect to the poll numbers, they may have inched up a bit, but there is a tremendous level of fury uh, and furor um, in the grassroots. And it's just, it's just as yet undetermined how that will manifest itself. Um, if he even gets back to 40 percent uh, consistently, that's still 60 percent of people that do, do not approve of him. Um, in that, 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 that's fairly significant. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. But I just don't really whatever whatever inching up in the polls he has is not met, doesn't take into account the extreme displeasure. Um, not only uh, on the left, um, from, of which I'm well acquainted, but even among centrists, uh, moderates, um, and even moderate Republicans. Uh, I mean, you've got to a point now where the uh, Graham-Cassidy uh, bill is before the uh, Republican Senate now, um, where you know Lisa Murkowski, uh, who was one of the deciding votes on the last healthcare showdown, she's solidly potentially against this bill because she she's now voting on principle. Right. So, you know, you've got Republicans now who have had this. Jeff Flake has um, I, I rarely agree with him. And I said this in the last uh, show I did. I rarely agree with him on anything, but he's standing up on principle of what, what conservatives should believe in. Um, and so as more people stand up on principle, I, we'll see how it manifests electorally. But I just don't think he's as strong as the numbers show. Well, and the numbers really aren't that strong. Um, I mean, I'm looking at the Rasmussen poll right now, which is the one that that actually you know, skews Republican. And um, yes, uh, his approval rating there is now up to 42 percent, which is up from uh, from before, but not by a lot. The most important thing, though, is that 56 percent in the latest round of polling still disapprove. And that's extraordinary. OK, so let's look at wider American politics right now. Senator Graham, Senator Cassidy have a proposal that they're working on. Uh, Senator Alexander and Senator Murray are looking at the problem in the help committee. And I think the way forward, at least as of today, is not clear, but those discussions are underway and we'll see where they go. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank Senators Stabenow, Donnelly, and Baldwin for joining me today. No one's seen the exact print of uh, the um, bill by... Cassidy and Graham. From what I'm told, it takes away even more benefits and hurts average Americans even more than the previous bill that was defeated. Work with us to make it better. We need cost sharing. We need it soon. Senators um, Alexander and Murray are working on a compromise proposal, which we hope will be ready very soon, and we can move that, not some effort to repeal. Thank you. So we have the, uh, maybe it's the, the dying embers of uh, senators, Republican senators, trying to find some kind of resolution to killing Obamacare. If that goes through, then that could be put to Congress, Trump will sign. Wouldn't that be a significant victory for this administration, even though he has no hands on that bill, Reggie? He did endorse it today, uh, so he at least rhetorically stands for it. 
Um, and I would even argue if, if that were to make it way through the Senate, um, that would be the high watermark of the administration because the backlash from that would be quite tangible. Mr. Levy, if that bill actually gets passed, it will be Trump's biggest single um, accomplishment, his administration's biggest single accomplishment since becoming president. Where does that then leave the Democratic Party and people with, with hopes of eventually there being single payer? What will that do to health care and the debate in health care kind of moving forward? Does that mean then that everybody running in 2020 then furiously has to then repeal this bill? Well, I think a couple of things will happen. First of all, uh, single payer is not realistically going to happen anytime soon. I mean, that's just it. it that's a pipe dream. OK, you know um, what? Uh, Doug, I'm just going to just quick, quickly jump in because um, this is um, somewhat of a, a lopsided mid-Atlantic because we're not doing any UK topics this week. I think there's just so much Trump stuff just, just to get through. Explain to British listeners, our third biggest country that people listen to us is Australia, our fourth is Canada. All these countries have universal health care. As somebody who sees himself as a progressive, explain why this is a non-starter because the rest of the developed world just rubs their head in, you know, in confusion. Uh, as well as many of us here in the United States. But please uh, the truth explain is it that, to us. Go. Certainly. So the, the, the data has been clear, you know, since the, since at least the 1990s, that a single payer system in the United States would probably be the most effective way to both improve the quality of health care and reduce the overall cost of health care. The problem, though, is that we have a capitalist system that is completely tied to this concept of the private sector and free market economy. And we have politicians who are unwilling to actually look at the whole system. The reason why Bill Clinton was unsuccessful at implementing health care reform in the 1990s was that the health care plan that, uh, that Hillary Rodham Clinton developed uh, under, under President Clinton was a complete system reform. It was looking at insurance companies, hospitals, pharmaceutical companies, nursing homes. It was looking at the entire spectrum of health care. And nobody has been willing to do that. Um, Obamacare tried and went kind of as far as possible, but relied on the insurance companies to cooperate, which for the most part they did, because fundamentally insurance companies do make more money if fewer people get sick and fewer people need expensive care. What happened though, which I don't think anybody would have reasonably predicted, was that the free market-based solutions that were built into Obamacare relied heavily on governors and legislatures of each state making decisions consistent with bringing down health care costs and improving health care quality. But we had, I think it was 17 states, basically most of the states that were governed by Republicans, turning down the Obamacare subsidies and opting out of all the things that would have made the system work better. 
they sabotaged it. And that's the mess that we have right now. Um, if Trump is successful in getting this repeal through, um, I think the short-term benefit will be political. I think that will increase the popularity of the lawmakers who get that bill passed. But once the impact of that bill starts happening, which probably would be within the next year, some of the things wouldn't happen happen for a couple of years. But once that bill actually becomes effective, people are going to see their cost of health care go way up. There are going to be millions of people who won't be able to get insurance. We're going to have people who are sicker. We're going to have more diseases spreading. It's going to be a mess. We'll probably have hospitals closing and doctor's offices closing up. I mean, it will be a disaster over time. And we'll definitely have doctor's offices closing in rural areas, which is where the majority of Medicaid expansion takes place. And, uh, you know, with all due respect, I, I want to take issue with the uh, terminology of single payer being a pipe dream. <clears throat> I was in the floor of the Senate when uh, last week when Bernie Sanders un unveiled his Medicare for all legislation. And two years ago, when he uh, un unveiled similar legislation, he had zero sp co-sponsors. Um, on last Wednesday, he had 17. And while that doesn't necessarily um, translate into any sort of legislative um, accomplishment, it does kind of set the tone for the conversation for upcoming elections. So while it may not be implemented in terms, it, may, it, it definitely won't pass the Republican Congress. I mean, that's known. And it definitely won't pass um, anytime soon. However, it shifts the focus of the conversation, provided that Obamacare can be maintained um, toward, that toward that direction. And it would set the tone for all Democratic conversations and potentially all uh, legislative races in 2018 and beyond. Well, I completely agree with you on that. And in fact, I think the one accomplishment that we can attribute to Trump is that the completely absurd and disastrous attempt that the Republicans have made to repeal Obamacare up to this point created a new focus on the actual health care policy. And single payer is now really being talked about in ways that I've never seen before. And that is exciting. But I think that actually implementing single payer is sadly just, I don't see that happening anytime in the future. But if we can have reforms at the state level, that would help. Isn't just the real problem with the Affordable Care Act as far as this bunch of Republicans are concerned, whether in the Congress or in the Senate, that it's actually called Obamacare. Isn't that what this is all about? Because there is no real theoretical Republican alternative, is there, Reggie? No, and I would say, you know, as much as I loved the uh, President, Vice President, First Lady and Second Lady of uh, the last administration, the worst communicative uh, failure of the administration was that they let it be called Obamacare instead of insisting that it be called the Affordable Care Act, um, thus making it to Republican circles a boogeyman and, and a scarecrow that uh, could be pummeled uh, rhetorically, as, as we've seen. So there is no Republican there there, uh, but calling it Obamacare just brings to mind uh, the recalcitrance and just the outright 
desire of them to stop anything that he did. And I would even say that if, if Trump um, and his acolytes have any policy bearing, it's that they want to do the exact opposite of everything that Obama did. So, you know, whether it be environmental legislation, whether it be um, not making Harry Reggie, $20. You, you, can't, yeah. you, you can't be serious. They want to resuscitate Osama bin Laden? I mean, I think you're being a little too generic on that, my friend. Like, um, <laughs> no, nice try. And if, 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 of course they don't. I mean, but they would rather that he not have um, disposed of him, you know. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. as much as they love American vehicles, if it were up to Republican devices, uh, they would have let Detroit fail. So <clears throat> we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, we just live in very interesting times. It's probably the most political way I can say it. The truth is that the... The legislation that became Obamacare, the the foundation of that actually was a Republican plan. Mitt Romney. Mm. It's the most tragic moment in Republican politics. Like he couldn't take credit for when Obamacare became the law of the land, he couldn't take credit for it in his presidential campaign. And many of the specific policy elements of Obamacare were things that the Republicans had insisted on before Obama became president. From and, the Heritage Institute, yeah. Right. Well, even, you know, there were things that, um, you know, Chuck, Chuck Grassley uh, insisted that there had to be a, a penalty for people who didn't buy insurance. Well, all of a sudden, once it he became forgot. Obamacare, that was outrageous to suggest that. Uh, many of the key elements uh, are exactly what the Republicans advocated. And in fact, Obama had accepted many of the Republican ideas. It actually started out bipartisan. So just before we move off this topic, Senator Rand Paul uh, tweeted out that this present bill is just an amnesty for Obamacare and does not repeal it. I mean, I, th- I think what he means by that is that uh, it has no chance of passing in the Senate. <laughs> so uh, it is just like the, the last dying breaths of uh, Republican um, opposition. I, I, Rand Paul wants to, to deal to obliterate American health care uh, altogether, especially as it, as it stands in its current form. So if for him to call it amnesty shows to me is just it's showing that it doesn't agree with what he has to think not what the majority of people have to think it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fab. Okay, gentlemen, let's move on to our takeaways of the week. Now, normally, I don't go first with uh, my takeaways of the week because generally I, I don't turn up with one and then I just wait until somebody has spoken before I, I my brain starts to think. But I do actually have one this week and I get a lot of joy out of, the, out of my love of football, real football, a game which is played with a spherical, a perfectly spherical object which is manipulated uh, by the foot, a football. Not this American bastardization of rugby which you call um, football over here and one of the things I love about football is the fact that um, we have teams historical teams not just in the UK but throughout the western world which don't follow the franchise model which you have in here in the US so you have Birmingham City or Aston Villa and Aston is a, a district of Birmingham these are professional teams that have been professional for 130 40 50 years and they cannot physically move from the historical home and 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 what that has 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 developed over time is an incredibly fervent working class fan base which there is echoes of in teams like green bay and some of the east coast teams in in american football but one of the things i've fallen in love with is a thing called arsenal fan tv which is on youtube whereby a guy goes up to arsenal fans at the end of every match and just interviews them And there are about five or six repeat offenders, so to speak, who always get on the mic and they are gold. There's a guy called Troops who, to an American ear, he's Jamaican inflected Cockney English is going to be literally unintelligible. Every other word is blood or fam. And he's somebody, I think, of like Middle Eastern origin. Then you have Mo, who is a practicing Muslim, who went off to Hajj um, a couple of weeks ago, who talks about uh, the finances of the club. Then you have Claude, who is this manic, depressive, middle-aged man, divorced his wife because his wife doesn't support Arsenal. Uh, you, oh. have, you have Ty, this diminutive black guy, who is just an eternal optimist. Even when Arsenal lose 5-0, he says, oh, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we can still maybe win next week and whatever. And then you have uh, the piece de resistance, a guy called DT, whose vitriol and invective is something of Shakespearean beauty, the way that he's just so pointed in his hatred of the current manager of Arsenal. I love Arsenal fan TV. I do not support Arsenal. But like some 20 million others, I watch it ridiculously week after week. Uh, and I've fallen in love not only with the, the motley crew of people who uh, regularly turn up to talk about it, but also with the guy, Robbie, who actually set it up. Regular black guy from London. And I had the pleasure of actually speaking to him this morning. So Arsenal Fan TV is my takeaway of the week. I love it, even though I don't support Arsenal. Now, over to you in the Bay Area. Hopefully that's given you enough time to think. Doug Levy, go. My takeaway is uh, that 
people really need to pay attention to the power of the people that they elect because we have a president who gets to do a whole lot of things including representing all of us on the world stage and we should have leaders that we are proud of we should have leaders that we support we should have leaders that we can respect even if we disagree with them and i think that goes at all levels of government from our city councils to our state lawmakers to the president and i'm hoping that this will mean people will pay a lot more attention and will have a better turnout for the 2018 elections and you mr hubbard my takeaway of the week is that i'm increasingly falling in love with uh grassroots activism i would even take it globally um in the next couple of weeks i'm going to take my logistics roadshow global uh to europe i will be going from Cologne to Brussels to Paris to London to Amsterdam to Berlin then back to Cologne and Bonn creating climate awareness and how it affects uh, global indigenous people and I've been on a series of conference calls with activists in the Netherlands and in Brazil and in France um, about how we create this excitement how we create awareness on these things and the fervor and the passion that these people have about these issues uh, stokes my fire. Um, so much so, and, and kind of to your point, Doug, that I've gotten to the point where I have threatened to disown some of my American friends who, uh, as much as I love Bernie Sanders, a dear friend of mine was like, Bernie 2020, and I was like, if you don't stay focused on your local elections in 2018, I don't think we have anything else to talk about. It's the grassroots and that attention to detail on the local level that bubbles up in not only in the American system of government, but also, I think, globally, uh, when people speak, the powers that be have to listen. Fantastic. Uh, Wise words, as always. This has been a lopsided, a one-sided mid-Atlantic where we've just focused in on the good old US of A. I've been Royfield Brown. You can follow me uh, specifically on Twitter where I'm at Royfield. How about you, Doug? What's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at SFDoug. And how about you, Reggie? O-Reggie Global, uh, Instagram, O-Reggie Global, Facebook, Reginald Hubbard. And for those of you across the globe, please pray for us. We need all the help we can get. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> please, folks, wherever you are on planet Earth, uh, whether you're in the beleaguered United States, or whether you're in Brexit Britain, or whether you're in a liberal sunny Canada, please review us on iTunes. Show us your support. Uh, you can follow us also on social media, specifically Twitter, where we are Mid Atlantic Show. Also, go onto Facebook and you can see the progress of the show by typing in Mid Atlantic Show. The website is midatlanticshow.com. You can post comments to the show. Also, I would like to say thank you to Sasha Davis for your email regarding the interview I did with Peter Joseph. Um, you can email me if you want to comment on my performance or maybe even Reggie or Doug's where I'm Royfield, which is R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D at gmail.com. See you all again soon.
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.